that we will go from here, letting this be something that completely dominates our life. I thank you for it happening now and give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now, I have been on a message for many, many weeks now, and we're going to continue. In fact, God just gave me another area that we're going to be talking about. We're finding out who Jesus was when he walked the earth and that who we should now be as Christians. Are you doing the little thingy-me-jiggy for me? Thank you. Hallelujah. Anyway, we want to find out who Jesus was when he walked the earth, and then we want to find out who we should be now as his followers, as Christians. And again, we've already talked about that Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus was someone who operated in authority. And now we're talking about Jesus and love. Jesus was the uh, uh, epitome of what love, the God kind of love is all about. Everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did was filtered through love. Think about that. Not once did Jesus ever say anything that wasn't based upon love. Not once was there anything Jesus did that was not uh, uh, filtered through love. Everything. Think about that. Everything Jesus did was because of love, through love, by love. Well, wouldn't that be an awesome thing to be able to say? Did you know that the Bible says this also? That the love of God never fails. Do you wonder why Jesus never failed? Because he was always operating in love. Do you want to live your life and never fail? Operate in the love of God. Amen. And so anyway, what I've done is I'm taking this from the perspective of the greatest revelation I've ever gotten in my walk with God. And that is that God loves me. Everybody say that. God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. God loves me. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful that he loves me. And so far in this particular area, we've seen that we can know that God loves us. Number one, and this is. To me, it's like, a, well, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's kind of strange to me, but the Bible actually says that God has tattooed a picture of us on the palm of his hands. I'm not a big tattoo guy. Riley and James and a lot of the new generation, a lot of people love to get tattoos now. Well, obviously God likes it because God tattooed you on his palm. Oh, look, there's Riley. Oh, move out of the way, Riley. Oh, there's, there's, there's Daniel. Oh, I, whoa, boy, Daniel, you good looking. <laughs> anyway, so we know that God loves us because he's tattooed a picture of us on the palm of his hands. We know that God loves us because, listen, we are always on his mind. His thoughts toward us are more than the sand, not on one seashore, but throughout this earth. Stop and think about that. You are always on his mind. Always. He's constantly thinking about you. And as we saw, those thoughts are, are how I can bless you. How I can make your life better. How, how I can enable you to experience my goodness and love and blessings. Amen? Then we saw that the word of God is full of scriptures that speak of God's love for you and me. The fact that his love is everlasting and unconditional. That right there is enough to go home and shout about. God loves us not because of what we do. God loves us simply because. Hello? That blesses me. 
I said, that blesses me. How about you? Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. And there's other scriptures that talk about his love for us. He loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. And, and there's nothing that can ever separate us from his love. Oh, I thank God that he loves me. How about you? And then we saw that we can know God loves us because of creation. You can go. I mean, we're traveling here today. And, and, and Pastor Jones looking at you. Says, oh, look at those mountains. Look at those mountains. And it just right away in my heart now, I say, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing, I love you, Daniel. You can look out at this big blue sky, those mountains, snow-capped mountains. You can look out and see the animals and the, and the, the birds and the, the different bodies of water. And you can hear God saying, I love you. And then you can look in a mirror and you can say, no matter what you might see, because a lot of times you might not like what you see in the natural, but when you see yourself the way God sees you, you know that God, you are wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Everybody, thank you, my wife. I had to look to her and see if I was getting the order there correctly or not. Hallelujah, which means what? Every time you take a deep breath, God's saying to you, I love you. Every time you hear your heartbeat, God is saying to you, I love you. Amen? Well, I want to move on this morning. This is the fifth reason, if you're taking notes, that we can know God loves us. And it's because of God's incredible plan of redemption. Now, I was kind of thinking about holding off on doing this one and saving this one for Easter. But I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and give it out now. We can know God loves us because of God's incredible plan of redemption. John 3.16. Everybody probably can quote this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates, are you getting those up there? Jimmy, you're going to run that, buddy. Well, I'm going to send you to Hawaii. They're leaving tomorrow to go to Hawaii. James and Riley, how many think we should hold them down and beat them a little bit? Go there. We should send them black and blue. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke for those out there who get a hold of this sometime and want to hold that against me. I'm just joking. Anyway... Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a powerful scripture. What a powerful scripture. Now, as most of you know, and as we've already looked at to some degree in this study, Adam sinned way back in the Garden of Eden. And as a result, and as we, like I said, we've seen this in this study, man lost his place of authority in the earth. And he was now separated from the one who had created him. But because God so loved us, he already had a plan in place. A plan that would involve sending his very own son to redeem us. To buy us back from the hand of the enemy. And although the devil fought tooth and nail to keep this plan from coming to pass, listen, in the fullness of time, Jesus was born of a virgin. And his birth cries out to the whole world, 
I love you. And then after Jesus lived his life perfectly while he was here on the earth, and he revealed to us and demonstrated to us the will of the Father and his Father's loving and good and merciful nature, Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed, Father, if it's possible, remove this cup from me. But even as Jesus prayed that, he already knew. He already knew that there was only one price that could redeem us back. Only one thing could buy us back from the hand of the enemy. His own precious blood. And so he continued to pray, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus took that cup and he drank it. And at that time, Jesus became sin with our sins. He was made sin with every evil, perverse, wicked sin that's ever been committed or ever will be committed. We can't even imagine what that was like. Some people like to uh, uh, think that it was, I don't want to say this, like Jesus was just empathizing or, you know, kind of feeling how we, what we were going through. No, man, he was, the Bible says he was made sin with our sin. He was made sin with our sin. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin any other human being on this planet, including you, has ever committed, he was made that sin. And he then was beaten mercilessly, punched in the face, his beard yanked out, spit upon, ridiculed, and then nailed to the cross. Where he died for you and me. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God that wasn't the end of it, was it? For after three days and three nights, Jesus was raised up from the dead. He then ascended on high and placed his precious blood on the altar seat in the holiest of holies, securing once and for all our eternal redemption. Did you hear that? Our eternal redemption. Everybody say eternal. Glory to God. And this act of redemption, all the way from his birth to his perfect life upon the earth, to to him being placed on that cross to die for our sins, to him being raised up from the dead, all this act of redemption will echo down through the ages of time and throughout all eternity. I love you. How do we know God loves us? Because of God's incredible plan of redemption. Amen. The next reason we can know that God loves us. Oh boy, these are good. I hope you're ready to do some shouting. It's because of the present day ministry of Jesus. The present day ministry of Jesus. In other words, these are the things Jesus is doing for us right now. Everybody say right now. Isn't it pretty awesome to know that someone like Jesus 
is working on our behalf right now. And wait till you see these different areas. Hebrews 7.25. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. You can look up here. I believe we have it. Therefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. Aren't you glad for that? And notice the next part. Since he always, he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. How many feel better when you know someone who knows how to pray, someone who gets results when they pray, is praying for you? I always appreciate it when I know that that Pastor Jones praying for me. I always appreciate it when I know Charmaine's praying for me. You know, you might think to yourself, what, 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 what is that about? It's because I know those two know how to pray. And I know they have the ear of the Father. And I know they get results when they pray. Well, I can even one-up those two and anyone else on this planet because I'm telling you right now, I know someone who has the ear of the Father. In fact, he's sitting right beside the Father. And the Bible says right here, he's interceding on your behalf. He's praying for you. Do you think Jesus gets results? Do you think Jesus gets results every single time? And glory to God, he lifts you before the Father day in and day out. I know some of us, he's praying for a whole lot more. <laughs> he knows I'm messing with him. Glory to God. I'm one of the ones I know he's spending a lot of time praying. I've always said when I, my wife just said, amen. <laughs> I've always said when I leave this earth and go into heaven, my angel's going to be going, thank you, Jesus. Going to be walking around in a cast and a broken. Oh. Anyway, glory to God. Listen, how do we know God loves us? Because we have, because he's praying for you and me right now. Amen. He is our, uh, uh, he always lives to make intercession for us. Okay, 1 John 2, 1. Boy, I hope you wore, oh, I like this one so good. This one's so good. God is so good. Amen. 1 John 2, 1 says, my little children. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you and me. These things, I write, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Listen to this from the NIV version. It says, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ the righteous one. So what does that mean? We have an advocate with the Father. How many realize that we have an enemy that is continuously accusing us before the Father? He is continuously accusing you before the Father. He's always bringing up the mistakes you've made and that I've made. Why? He's trying to have judgment come against us. He's trying to bring judgment against us. But glory to God, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And what in other words, Jesus, get this, is our lawyer. 
Jesus is our lawyer. And every time the devil accuses us before the Father, Jesus is right there to plead our case. Woo! It probably goes something along like this. The devil will stand up and accuse us before in the courtroom of the universe. Daniel is due judgment. He has sinned. I've seen him. He's sinned. He's due judgment. To which Jesus then replies, oh, excuse me, the, the, first of all, the judge, the eternal judge of the universe, who is our heavenly father, by the way, looks at Jesus, who is our big brother and our Lord and Savior, and he looks at Jesus and says, how does your client plead? To which Jesus says, not guilty. He's innocent of all charges, which just drives the devil mad. He jumps to his feet. He says, not guilty. He's guilty. I was right there when he messed up. I, I was the one tempting him. I was the one that caused it to happen. I know he messed up. To which Jesus then replies, oh, Daniel? Yeah, he messed up. But then he asked for forgiveness. He repented of that sin. And now, because he did that, not only has he been forgiven, but he's also been, been cleansed from all unrighteousness. And now he can stand right here, right here, right here, justified, just as if he had never sinned at all. And the father then says, case dismissed, no evidence. He is not guilty. Woo, we have an advocate with the Father who is pleading our case day in, day out. If you mess up, all you got to do is fess up. And God is right there to forgive you and to encourage you to keep going forward. I don't care what the, listen, I don't care how many times you've messed up in your life. You got to know that mm, the blood of Jesus is greater than that. I know, I, I, listen. I know from whence I speak. I know how, 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 how difficult it is sometimes. When you feel like you need to be living a certain way and you just keep making stupid mistakes. I know what it's like to keep yielding to your flesh and doing stupid stuff. But I also know what it's like to have that cleansing flow come down upon me. And have God just gently pick me up and say, come on, Dan. Come on, Daniel. And when the devil jumps on my shoulder, you know what Daniel does? I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Hallelujah. I call upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that that blood cleanses me, washes me white as snow. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we have a lawyer like Jesus working on our behalf? Amen. He's the kind of lawyer that you want to have. And why does Jesus go does do this kind of stuff? Because he loves you. And he loves me. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. We're talking about the present day ministry of Jesus. These are the things Jesus is doing for us right now. Therefore, holy brethren, again, he's talking to you and me, partakers of the heavenly calling, Consider the apostle and high priest of what? Our confession. 
Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. We have a high priest in heaven, according to this verse, who is looking over our what? He's looking over our confession of faith. And when we make those kinds of confessions from our mouth, based upon the truth of God's word, hear me now, our high priest turns them to the Father, presents them to the Father, which in turn gives him the legal right to move on our lives and bring those confessions of faith to pass. Okay, I thought that would bring a little bit more of excitement from you. Listen, that's why it's so important that we guard what we say from our mouths. <laughs> we must learn to only speak the word of God no matter what. And again, listen, a lot of times this is a whole lot easier said than done. Because I understand that when you see in this natural realm, something that doesn't line up with the word, but it's happening in your life and it's staring you in the face and the devil's jumping on your shoulder and saying, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to then start speak out what you see? Or are you supposed to keep speaking what you believe? Now, I, I, I know it's easy to say this right here and right now. But I know it's a totally different matter when you are faced with these kinds of situations. When you're looking at your checkbook and it just doesn't add up. It does not compute in your head. And you're like going, God, what are you going to believe? What are you going to confess? Speak only what God says. No matter what you see and no matter how you feel, you speak the word. Faith has nothing to do with what we see. Nor does it have anything to do with how we feel. Faith is based solely upon the truth of God's word. Oh my goodness gracious. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word only. Confess the word. Confess the word. Confess the word only. And when you do that, you have a high priest that then turns to the father. And it gives the father the legal right to move on your behalf. Do you hear that? Glory to God. Thank God for our high priest. Amen. Why does he do this? Because he loves you. And because he loves me. Now go to Hebrews 8. You guys getting something out of this? Praise the Lord. Hebrews 8 verse 6. This is such a good one. Mm. But now he, speaking of Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. You know, one of the most important and most powerful revelations we can get from the word of God is that we are in blood covenant with Almighty God. I understand that and this is so unfortunate. Most people here in the West really have no understanding of what a blood covenant is all about. For example, now get this. One of the benefits of a blood covenant is that everything that belongs to your blood covenant now becomes yours. 
That's a Selah moment. Just stop and think about it. Did you hear that? That means because we're in blood covenant with Almighty God, everything that is His is now ours. I think I might just stand here for a minute and let you think on that. Everything that is now His is now ours. In fact, get this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, That we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Has anybody in here ever inherited something from a loved one, such as a parent or a grandparent? Uh, You know, as an heir, you get everything that was written down in their last will and testament. Well, guess what? We're heirs of God. And we're joint heirs with Jesus. Glory to God. That means, listen, everything that's been written down in this last will and testament, it's ours. And why do we wonder if God's going to come through for us? We're in covenant with Him. Everything that is His is now mine. Everything that is His is now yours. Listen to this. Romans 8.17 from the Passion Translation. We qualify to share all his treasures. Does God have some treasures? For indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ. How many of you are joined to Christ? That means you're a Christian. We also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, I'm going to do that, Lord. Go to Hebrews. This is, this is just something that I always, when I hear that, I'm a joint heir with Christ. What, what, what did Jesus, what did Jesus, what did, what did Jesus inherit? What kind of inheritance does Jesus have? And, and of course, you can say, well, well, heaven, heaven's awesome. Yeah, and I know it is, and that's true. But I, don't, I want to show you something else about Jesus, something else that Jesus inherited. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 2 says this, speaking of Jesus, he's spoken in these last days, spoken to us by his son, whom he has, now notice, whom he has appointed heir of what? (laughs) Maybe I'm the only one getting that revelation. I am a joint heir with Jesus. All that he has is now mine too. Jesus has inherited what? He's the heir of what? Would that, let me ask you a question. Would that include the things you need to survive on? Would that mean the, the, the riches you need to prosper in your life so that you can be a greater blessing to this church and to other churches and ministries throughout the world? Does that, am I the only one to see in that and getting that revelation? We are joint heirs with Christ. We are heirs of God. And all that has been written here in the Holy Bible is now ours. And listen. God wanted it to be known to us so much that he sealed the deal with the blood of his son, Jesus. When my dad wrote out his last will and testament, listen, when he wrote out his last will and testament, he signed it with ink. 
When God wrote out his last will and testament, he signed it with the blood of Jesus. And there is nothing and no one that can stop that inheritance from coming to me. Because I am a child of God. I am an heir of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. And all that he has is now mine. Woo, you study, I guarantee you, you study out the blood covenant. It makes you step a little bit straight. Part of, he, part of being in covenant with God, he's got your back. That's what the weaker tribes in Africa would do with the stronger tribes. They'd go in there and say, I'm going to cut covenant with you. You can have all that I am, and I, but I know I'm getting all that you are. And when someone would attack the weaker tribe, all of a sudden the stronger tribe would show up and, whoop, watch out now. And that's how we are with Almighty God. I, mm, whoo, ain't nothing this world can throw at us that my big brother can whoop. I know he can whoop it. I know he can whoop it. I know he can whoop it. I kind of said it wrong there for a little bit, but I've corrected it, didn't I? But hallelujah. There's nothing. There's nothing. And I, I don't want you. I want you leaving from here thinking to myself, thinking to yourself, hallelujah. God loves me so much that he has enabled me to be a partaker of a better covenant based upon better promises. And it's been sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. I am an heir of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. I have an inheritance from God. And it, listen, a lot of times people say, well, 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 that's when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven. Listen, when did I get the last, when did I get what my dad had left in that last will and testament? What had to happen in order for me to take advantage of those things and be able to receive those things? My dad had to die. But the moment he died, though that last will and testament kicked in, and everything in it now was legally mine. So what does that mean to me right now concerning Jesus? All he had to do was die. And the moment he died, that last will and testament of his kicked in, and everything that's now in it is now mine. Legally, there's nobody who can stand up and say, you don't deserve that. It's already mine. Right. Oh, I'm ha- getting happy. Whoo! And why? Why? Jesus, now listen, Jesus, the Bible says there, he's the mediator of this better covenant. Which means what? He's looking over the covenant. I mean, he's looking over us to make sure that everything that's written in that covenant is ours that comes to pass in our lives. Oh, thank you, God. See, these are the kinds of things you need to meditate on. And think about, because in reality, for a lot of people, boosh, it blows their heads because they can't comprehend that. I don't, I, 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 how could that be? We got the truth of God's word. We know it because it's right there in the Bible. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. And why does he go to such great lengths? Because he loves you. Because he loves me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I said, I'm so grateful for Jesus. I said, I'm so grateful for Jesus. See, when I'm up here preaching, you know why I get excited? Ron can tell you why. Because it's becoming so, it it becomes even more real to me. And this is what we all need to do, 
If it's something right now that it's not really, you're like, going, why is he so happy? Why is he so excited? Because it's real to me. It's real to me. I've been studying this. I've been meditating in this. I've been, I've been preaching this to myself. I get in my office and I preach to myself. But I'm, when I'm preaching to myself, guess what's happening? I'm hearing it. And I'm hearing it. And I'm hearing it. And it's getting in there. And faith is rising up. And glory to God. When I get up here and start to preach, it's like all of a sudden it's like a great whoosh revelation whoosh and when it gets in me it gets me happy because then when i'm facing this this world this world comes barreling down upon my life all i gotta do is remind myself because my god loves me i know my god's going to come through for me he's praying for me hallelujah he's the mediator of a new covenant he he's the high priest of my confession of faith Oh, how he's such a good God. He's such a good God. He's my advocate. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, the devil's accusing me day and night. Whoop the stick of doodle. Because Jesus is pleading my case all the time. Thank you, God. All of this. Is based off of what's written in the word. And these truths are true for us whether we understand it or not. But it's only going to benefit you if you begin to step out in faith and take God at his word and claim these things. I thank you, Lord, that you are pleading my case right now before the Father. I thank you that even though I've messed up, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me and I am justified in your sight. I thank you, Lord, as I speak words of confession out of my mouth, my confession of faith. Then my God is the God of the breakthrough. He's going to break through my finances. Great harvest is coming into my family and me. Great harvest is coming into this church. I know that Jesus is turning around to the Father. So you hearing that? You hearing that? You hearing that? And the Father said, oh, yeah, I'm hearing that. Glory to God. Right there it is. Right there it is. It's happening right there it is. And then the covenant one? Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It would do you good to find some good teaching on the blood covenant. And again, I am trusting the Lord down sometime. You've gotten just hits and miss. I mean, hits and misses in the way I always say it. You've gotten pieces of it down through the years. I've taught on it just a little bit here and there. It is so rich. It is so important. For us to grasp. Because again when you get a hold of this fact. There is nothing. That ever breaks a blood covenant. It is. A, when the covenant partners. Are always alive. That blood covenant always stays in effect. In other words. There's nothing you can do to get out of the covenant. Once you get born again. Ah, thank you Jesus. And guess what. You know for a fact on God's side, on Jesus' side, he's going to live forever. He is living forever. And so are we. So are we. So that covenant, that covenant is always in effect right now. We don't have to wait till we get to the sweet by and by in order to take advantage of these things. He did it for us for right now. Everybody say for right now. now. Hallelujah. And why has he done all of this? Because he loves you and because he loves me.
Can you see why this revelation is the greatest revelation I've ever gotten in my walk with God? It pretty much is the reason for everything else. Love. God's love for me. Amen. Jesus was the greatest demonstration of that love while he was here. And if we're going to follow in his footsteps, then we too are going to have to operate in that love. And I know for a lot of people, they might, you might be thinking to yourself, I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I can do that. I deal with anger. I deal with this thing. I deal with that thing. If you are born again, the Bible says that the love of God has been poured out in your heart by the Spirit. It's already there. The Bible says that love is actually a fruit of the Spirit, which means this. It's something that you can grow and develop in. Amen. See, if you don't feel like you're right there yet and you're still developing in your love walk, okay, that's fine. All of us are. I said all of us are. But I guarantee you this much, if you look to God and you trust in God and you look to his grace, he will enable you to walk in that same kind of love, the love that Jesus Christ demonstrated to us when he walked the earth. And when you live your life that way, you cannot be defeated. Because the love of God never fails. Amen. Glory to God. Is this? Come on now. Does somebody feel like doing a belly bop right now? Because I sure feel like doing a belly bop right now. That's part of me getting excited. You know, and I know for a lot of you guys are going like, what is that all about? But anyway, it doesn't matter. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I am stopping right here. But we're going to get into some other reasons that God loves us. And then we're going to move on to some other areas about Jesus. And we're going to eventually wrap this up when Jesus comes home. (laughs) I feel like we're going to be on it for quite some time. But that's okay. Amen. Bottom line is this. I want to be like Jesus. How about you? I want to look like Jesus. I want people to know that I've been with Jesus. I want people to look at me and see Jesus. Because I guarantee you this much, if I can live my life that way, I'm going to make a difference in this world for him. I've been saying that from my mouth, and I've never heard anybody say it, maybe I have down through the years, but I'm going to be a difference maker for Jesus. I want to be a difference maker in this church for Jesus. I want to be a difference maker as a husband to my wife. I want to be a difference maker in my children's lives. I want to be a difference maker in this community. I want to be a difference maker in this state, in this country, in this world. All for Jesus. And the only way that's going to happen is if I find out who Jesus was and how Jesus did things. And then step up to the plate and start to do those very same things. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Well, let's pray. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.